This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. So glad to be back with you this week. Hope you had a great week. Everybody have a good week? We had kind of a crazy week in my house. Uh, a Sunday after church, Katie just looked at me and was like, I'm not feeling good. And so she just like was out, sick, not good. And then about Tuesday, I got whatever she had. Isn't that awesome, right? Thanks a lot, Katie. But I did learn a very big difference between me and Katie this week about our toughness. Because she got sick on Sunday and I'm like, oh, she's over-exaggerating, she's just whining, wow, wow, whatever, right? And so I'm like, you know, whatever, and she's doing her thing, and she's still, like, taking care of the kids. She's feeding, you know, like, feeding us, cooking for us and stuff. Then Tuesday comes, I get sick, and I'm, like, in the fetal position crying. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go in the room, lock the door, turn all the lights out, just be done. Like, I'm finished. And, like, it got so bad, I was, like, disappeared for so long. Katie, like, was sliding food under the door, and then, like, one night she just knocked on the door and was like, Mike, are you, are you alive? Are you okay? Like she literally was concerned about me. So uh, what I learned is that Katie is a whole lot tougher than I am. Anybody, husbands, we know that about our wives. They're a lot tougher than we are. If you don't think that, you're dumb. All right. So we are finishing up our brand new series. And kind of our verse for this series has been out of 2 Corinthians 5.17 that says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. And so as we've been walking about, walking through this series, talking about just the idea of being brand new, we started out with uh, kind of the first week talking a lot about New Year's resolutions, and it's just, it's that time of year, right? We're making New Year's resolutions, we're thinking about how I can improve myself, how I can improve my life, how I can make things just a little bit better. And we started out by basically saying, Jesus doesn't really care about improving your life. Jesus really doesn't want to make things a little bit better for you. Actually, Jesus wants to tear the whole thing down. And what Jesus wants to do is he wants to make you brand new. The Bible says he wants to make you, when we become a Christian, old things have gone away. The past is gone. Sin is that we're done. It's over, right? I'm going to make you, saying I'm going to make you a new creation. And so we start about not trying to improve our lives, but being made new in Jesus from the inside out. A spiritual transformation on the inside that transforms our life on the outside. And then last, or and then the second week, we talked about uh, fitness. And y'all thought I was going to lead like a CrossFit workout after church, but it wasn't that. We were talking about spiritual fitness and how, again, the idea of New Year's resolutions, most of them have to do with some kind of uh, physical resolution. I want to work out. I want to eat healthy. I want to write, whatever. And, and what we saw in that, the principle behind that is that many of us feel like our bodies are in control of us. We don't control our bodies. Our bodies control us. And that actually is very spiritual as well. We talked about how the carnal nature and the sin nature and about um, the the flesh, the body kind of controlling us and how we don't want to be people that are controlled by the flesh. We don't want to be controlled by the body, but that we want to be controlled. We want our lives to be controlled by the Spirit of God. So we talked about brand new spiritual fitness. And then last week, how how many of us last week was our favorite message? Can I get an Amen. Last week, we talked about money (laughs) and the idea of having brand new finances and essentially having God's spirit in control of how we think, view, and spend our money. Essentially, the Bible says you can't serve two masters. And so this week, 
week four, as we finish up this series, we're going to be talking about brand new friends. Anybody need some new friends? We can hook you up. I can help you out. Brand new friends, brand new relationships. And last week, we kind of talked a lot about how money is spiritual, but this week, I want to talk to you about how our relationships are spiritual. And what's interesting is we kind of see this concept from the very beginning of creation. And, you know, in Genesis 1, one of the most uh, famous passages in Scripture, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it talks about how he creates the heavens, the earth, light, darkness, sun, the moon, the stars. Uh, it talks a lot about the creation of the land and the ocean and, and all these objects that God creates. But then it begins to talk about not the, uh, just the objects that he creates, but it begins to talk about the living things that he creates. And we see in Genesis 1, 11 and 12, it says, Then God said, Let the earth produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, fruits, trees on the earth bearing fruit with seeds and according to their kinds. And it was so. The earth produced vegetation, seed-bearing plants according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seeds in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Now, there's something here that I want us to pay close attention to today because if you were, if you were watching that, there was something he kept repeating over and over and over. And when things are repeated in the scriptures, you want to pay attention to it, right? He says he created the trees and the vegetation, the plants. And it, it, every time that it says that he created one of those, it said he created them with what? With seed in them. Seed according to their kind, and we see that when God creates the trees and when he creates these plants, he created them with the ability inside of them to create and produce more. So every time there was a tree, he didn't have to go, tree, 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 tree. I really should have thought about it a different way, right? No. He created them with the ability to produce more. With it. Like, that's genius, right? Who thinks of this stuff? God, right? But he didn't just have the ability to produce more, but the ability to produce more according to their kind. So orange tree creates what? Orange tree. Apple tree creates? There you go. Fig tree? All right. You guys are pretty good. But what's so cool about this, so they reproduce what they are. They reproduce what they are. But what this means is that when God created the very first oak tree, within that oak tree was the potential for the oak tree that's in your yard today. Or here in like the suburbs, we have like twigs, not so much trees, right? But when he created the first orange tree, there was the potential for every single orange tree that would ever be created within that very first one. He didn't just create, like, create the ability for there to be one more or two more or a forest, but every single oak tree, every single orange tree, every single apple tree that would ever be produced or created was in that very first one. Does that blow anybody else's mind besides just me? Like I was thinking, reading through this this week and studying this, I was like, that's so cool. And it's always been, I would say, part of God's design for living creatures to multiply. And the design for this to happen, for this multiplication to happen, was intimacy. And so what we see is in trees, we see cross-pollination. They produce more trees. We see the plants cross-pollination. They create more plants. We see human beings cross-pollination, right? And the design is, and, and this is kind of going to be the word for the day. So if you have your notes, if you grabbed one of those worship guides and you got notes, this is, this is that first blank. I want you to remember this statement because this is, this is our concept for the day. 
is that everything that becomes intimate reproduces. Do you catch that? Everything that becomes intimate reproduces, and everything that becomes intimate multiplies. Everything that becomes intimate reproduces, and everything that becomes intimate gets multiplied. And so we see that in the trees and the plants. We also see that with mankind. God makes humans in Genesis 1, 26 and 27. We see him create man. And he says, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And they will rule the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, the livestock, all of earth and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man one of the coolest phrases in scripture. God created man in his own image. Praise God for that, right? And he created him the image of God and he created them male and female. And then he goes on and he speaks to us for the very first time. And, and man, we want to pay close attention to us because first words are important, aren't they? Like the first words that, that, that you speak to someone matter. Like they're going to judge you. you ever, have anybody ever had like a really awkward uh, encounter with someone on your first like meeting, like you walked home, you haven't talked to a human being all day, and you're like, hey, they're like, hey, how are you doing? Like, uh, <clears throat> Michael, my, Michael is my name. Have everybody had that happen to you? That happens to me all the time, right? Right? And it's first words are important, right? Matter of fact, I bet there's not a parent in here who does not remember the first words their children spoke. Gideon's were dada, by the way, just so you know, <laughs> no big deal. But we want to pay close attention to the first words that God speaks to mankind, and, it, and it's really special. Genesis one twenty eight. it says God blesses them. Praise God for that again, right? First thing he does to us is he puts a blessing on us. He blesses us, and then God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. And all the men said, amen. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls of the earth, right? He says, be fruitful and multiply. Essentially, guys, go home and kiss your wives, right? We like that, right? And I was thinking about that, this multiplication process. I wasn't the smartest with math, but one plus one is what? Or one, excuse me, one times one is what? One. Kate and I got two kids. We're over, we're, we're overachieving. We're doing great, right? But this isn't just, I, I don't think that this is just a literal command about physical multiplication. I don't think that's the only principle. I don't think it's the only thing that God is saying here, right? I don't think it's just a command about making more babies. He is talking about a physical multiplication. He is talking about a physical reproduction, but there's more to it. I think that God knew where there would be physical multiplication and intimacy. He, he designed it this way, right? Could have done it another way, did it this way, right? But there's also a spiritual reproduction and there's a spiritual multiplication, right? There is, and I think we see this principle all throughout scripture, there is a transference of who you are, of what you are, of the kind of person you are that gets multiplied, just like the trees, they reproduce who they are, that gets multiplied from us into our children and into our lineage. I think who you are, the gifts you have, the nature of who you are, the life of who you are, in many ways gets transferred from us into our lineage. I think God organized his kingdom this way, that fathers and sons and daughters, mothers and sons and daughters, that who you are gets passed down into your children. There's a, a, a reproduction or a multiplication of a physical and spiritual DNA from us into our kids, into our lineage. 
You say, so like salvation, if I'm a Christian, that means my kids are automatically saved? No. You say, well, Mike, this sounds kind of weird and crazy. Well, I think we've seen it, right? Like you see from fathers to sons and mothers to sons, temperaments being passed down, attitudes being passed down, loves being, we even see vocations being passed down. Like I'm like one of 12 pastors in my family. I think that gets, that's something that gets passed down, right? And this can be, I believe, a spiritual blessing passed down from generation to generation, a spiritual anointing passed down from generation to generation, but I think it can also be a curse. Like if you look at statistics, there's things like talking about if a father is uh, physically abusive to his son, the odds that that son is going to be physically abusive to his son. The statistics of alcoholism being passed down from generation to generation to generation. You understand what I'm saying? And I think there's this multiplication of who we are that is transferred from generation to generation through our relationships with husband and wife, but then also relationships with other people that develop and create who we are. And I think God cares deeply about what gets transferred from us into our lineage. In Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, we see a really interesting interaction between God and Malachi. Malachi is basically asking God this question. He's saying, God, where are you? Right? He doesn't feel like God's near. God's, he's, so he says, God, where, where are you? And then God Man, you ever ask God to respond and then he just is like, response that you really didn't want? That's what happens in Malachi. Like God asks him, or Malachi asks God, man, God, where are you? Don't feel like you're near. What's going on? And God gives him this like laundry list of reasons why like he just wears Malachi out. You should read the book. It's only four chapters. But the last thing he says to Malachi, after he gives him this whole list of here's why I'm not close to you right now, he says this in Malachi 2, 13 and 14. He says, and this is another thing. So you can tell, he says another thing. He's been wearing them out, right? And this is another thing you do. You cover the Lord's altar with your tears, with weeping and groaning, because he no longer respects your offering or receives them gladly from your hands. Yet you ask, for what reason? So God, why are you not accepting my offering? Why are you not, why are you not close? He says, because the Lord has been a witness. He's saying, I've been watching you. The Lord has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth, and you have acted treacherously against her, though she was your marriage partner and your wife by covenant. He says, you're covering the altars with tears, why, asking why I'm not accepting your offering. He says, it's because I've been watching you. I've been seeing how you treat your wife. I've been seeing how you've been taking the sacred relationship, this, this marriage covenant. I've been seeing that you've been, how you've been dealing with her and you've been dealing with her treacherously. Like not just badly, treacherously. <laughs> he says, so God cares about how he treats his wife? Well, yeah, duh. But it's bigger than that. Like I, what's, what's weird when I was reading this this week, the specific reason why he, like he cared, God cares about how he treats this, the marriage covenant. But it's interesting to see specifically why he's upset with Malachi here. Check this out, Malachi 2.15. Didn't the one God make us with a remnant of his life breath, breathe life into us? And what does the one seek? What does the one, what does God who breathed life in you, what does he seek from you? A godly offspring. So watch yourselves carefully and do not act treacherously against the wife of your youth. So God comes to Malachi and he says, one of the issues I have with you is, did I not create you? Didn't I, by breathing breath into your lungs? Yes. And what did I ask you for when I breathe breath into your lungs? Be fruitful and multiply. And what do I want multiplied? What do I want reproduced? What do you say? A godly offspring. 
Essentially, you keep treating her this way. You keep acting this way towards your wife. You keep doing this. And what's going to be passed down, what's going to be reproduced from you is not going to be a godly offspring. It's going to be a sinful offspring. It's going to be evil. And so the way you're acting now in this relationship that you have is going to reproduce something out of you that I don't want. And it's not just going to affect you. It's going to affect generations to come. That's crazy, isn't it? It's not just going to impact you. It's going to impact generations to come. All this to say, relationships are spiritual. And what is intimate gets reproduced. In this marriage covenant, in this most spiritual of relationships, God is saying what happens here, how you act towards each other, what's what's produced, there will be something produced out of it that will be spread down and passed down to your children that will be passed down for generations. And that leaves us with this question, right? What are we passing down? Like there's a reason why God says the sins of the fathers will be passed down. It's not a curse that he's putting on you. He's not saying, I'm mad at you, I'm gonna curse you with this. Your sins are gonna get passed down. He's saying, this is the way it is. So be careful, pay attention. Pay attention to how you're living, pay attention to your relationships. And the question I have for us today is, are we creating blessing to be passed down to our children, or are we creating cursing that your great-grandkids are going to be really upset with you about? And if you're like me when I was studying this week, this is the moment where we get real down on ourselves. Like when I was walking through this week, I was like, oh, I suck. (laughs) Can I say that? Take that out of the podcast, right? Like, man, I stink. Like, my kids are just going to (laughs) be, they're shot, man. Like, it's over, right? There's a lot, because if if you're like me and you examine yourself, there's a lot in yourself. There's a lot in your relationships. There's a lot of things that happen that you're like, man, I do not want that passed down to my kids. I don't want that passed down through me. But I got to think, I got to tell you what I had to tell myself this week. Don't get down on yourself here. Don't get down on yourself here because God wore out Malachi, right? Gave him this laundry list of reasons, just tore him up here. But the cool thing about Malachi is it's the last book of the Old Testament. Yeah, that's it. And you know what's great about the last book of the Old Testament? After that one comes the first book of the New Testament. And you know what's in the first book of the New Testament? I'll give you the answer. Jesus. And when Jesus shows up, man, everything gets changed. When Jesus shows up, everything gets changed changed. And those curses that that have been passed down for generation to generation, those curses that you maybe feel in your own life, those curses that the, the sins of the fathers passed down to their sons, when Jesus shows up, the ability for those curses to be shattered arrives on the scene. And when Jesus shows up, he breaks the curse of sin, death, hell, and the grave. Jesus came to set us free from the curses. What I want to tell you today, River Church, is if you are sitting in here and you even feel the generational curses being passed down to you, Jesus can break those today. Jesus can shatter those curses today because he came to heal what is broken And only he can heal those chains. And from this moment on, you can be different and you can pass down a blessing to your children and not cursing. And I think if we're all honest, we could probably identify some of those areas in our lives. We could probably all identify some things that have been passed down to us 
that we say, God, I, I need you to fix this. I need you to heal this. I need this in me. I, I need you to do something. We can probably, if we're honest, also recognize some things that we've created ourselves that we don't want passed down. Like, I, like just in the spirit of transparency, I spent some time praying this week asking God, like, God, like you guys know that shower prayers are really effective? They work, man. If you say, Mike, I don't have time to pray. If you shower, you got time to pray. And if you don't shower, we got a whole lot of other issues that we need to talk about. <laughs> but literally, I was in the shower and I was like, you know, studying this all week. And so it's been on my mind. And I was just in the shower this week. And I was like, God, I, there's some things, God, I need you to break in me that I don't want Gideon. I don't want Judah to have to deal with. Break it, God. And if you like, I mean, I'll tell you what it is, not here. We'll talk in private, right? But I believe that Jesus can break those curses. I believe that our God is that powerful that you can today be the catalyst for changing what's passed down in your family. You say, well, Mike, it's too late. My kids are grown or my kids are this or I, you know, we've already done too much damage. You are not that powerful. Jesus is a whole lot bigger than that. Jesus is a whole lot bigger than that. I shared with you last week one of the coolest stories about my family tree is that I have a great, great aunt who like changed the course of our family. Like if you weren't here last week, I'll tell you the story again. If you were here last week, nothing you can do about it, right? So we have this, I had this, like the Gerald family before this great, great aunt were just awful human beings. Like people you didn't want to be associated with, like horse thieves, bank robbers. Like if you ever do like the family tree thing, uh, there's this, in my family tree, there's this ledger and they have this ledger of like my whole history. And when they would write down like a certain name, like Gerald, whatever, um, there would just be this symbol next to it that would say GTT. And GTT stood for, <laughs> back in the old days, it was somebody who had been arrested and they were let out on bail. And then instead of coming back to bail, they skipped bail and were gone to Texas. <laughs> so I'm here in Texas, like somebody, I'm, I'm not here for a good reason. You know what I'm saying? Um, my family tree was bad, right? But this great, great aunt got saved. And when she got saved, she literally changed the course of my whole family. Like when I joked about having 12 pastors in my lineage, from her on, there's like 12 pastors from generation to generation. You talk about breaking the curse. Jesus broke the curse. And now there's still some things we got to deal with that's our own fault. But we can break it through the power of Jesus. You can break what's passed down. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, it can be broken. It can be changed. It can be healed by the power of Jesus. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. But this place, I think it starts, like it starts with Jesus and it starts with praying prayer. God, help me. Let's do something about this. I need you. I need you. I need you. But then we have to keep paying attention to what's being produced in our relationships. Because what is intimate gets multiplied. What is intimate gets reproduced. And so what you have and who you deal with in your relationships is going to continue to reproduce something. And so Jesus comes here, he lives on earth 33 years, dies on the cross, raises himself from the dead, defeats the curse of sin that's been passed down. And then something interesting happens, his last time speaking to the disciples, and you want to pay attention, just like first words, you want to pay attention to last words, his last words to the disciples are what? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Or you could say it like this, Genesis 1, be fruitful and multiply. Boom. You like how I tied that around? Yeah, that was pretty good. So what do you want to do? 
The question is, what do you want to be multiplied through your life? What do you want to be multiplied in your marriage? What do you want to be multiplied through your relationships? Because in your relationships, it's shaping who you are today. Your relationships shape what's passed down through your lineage. The relationships, not just the marriage relationships, but all of your relationships are going to shape who you are and transform you and are going to speak into what's transferred down through you. And if you want it to be blessing that's passed down, if you want it to be Jesus that's passed down, it absolutely can be. But I'm taking this in a turn. You may not have expected what that's going to be is going to have a lot to do with the relationships that you have. Because your relationships produce something. And you've got to take them seriously. Because relationships are spiritual. And if you're looking at that uh, list, you're going, there's a whole lot left on this list to fill out. I'm going to go quick. Relationships are spiritual. And I'm not just talking about the marriage relationship, but all relationships. Because in all relationships where there is intimacy, and not just sexual intimacy, but but intimate closeness, you're being shaped, you're being molded, you're being formed by that relationship. And in that relationship, it's going to create something in you that is going to be multiplied. It's going to create something in you that's going to be uh, reproduced and passed down through your lineage for generations to come. So what I want us to do today as we consider these, this blessing and cursing that's being passed down is I want us to step back and ask the question, what are my relationships reproducing? What is being multiplied through my relationships? Because number two, relationships have a lasting impact. Relationships have a lasting impact in your life. And the closer you get to a person, the more that person is going to shape who you are. One of my favorite actors is Brad Pitt. Anybody know who he is? He's kind of old now, right? We don't care about him anymore. I'm just kidding. Everybody who's 50 or older was just offended right now. I'm sorry. He's one of my favorite actors. But one thing that's funny about Brad Pitt Google this, not now, but when you go home, Google this. Whenever you see somebody that he's dating, he begins to look just like that person. If you know Brad Pitt, if you know, if you followed him like I have, you know what I'm talking about. Like his hairstyle changes, his clothes. Like we started, he got married to Angelina Jolie. He went from like blonde to like dark brown, black, right? It's the weirdest thing, man, because who we spend time with shapes us. Those deep relationships change us. Like you see the pictures of like dogs and their owners and how they look alike. There's a principle there somewhere, right? There's a spiritual principle there somewhere. The truth is who we spend time with, our closest relationships are going to shape that. And you have to ask the question, are those person's qualities Christ-like? Are those qualities Christ-honoring? Are those qualities something that I want passed down through my lineage? Like when I was a youth pastor I wasn't being judgmental, but you could look at a child and see who he surrounded himself with, and you could predict his future. The same is true about adults. There are, there are ways that our relationships affect us. And so relationships have lasting impact. Number three, relationship choices are critical because your life will be shaped and changed by those relationships. Like if you made a New Year's resolution this year, you said, I'm going to lose some weight, or I'm going to start going to the gym, or I'm going to, right? If that was your New Year's resolution, if you're hanging out with people who overeat, who don't know what a gym looks like, who like, you know, are the most unhealthy people in the world, you know what's going to happen to you? More weight. Next year, you'll be making the same exact New Year's resolution. But if you spend time with people who work out, who eat healthy, who, right, those crazy people, you know what's going to happen to you? you might get in shape. Same concept. I want to be close to Jesus. I want my children to know Jesus. I want to walk deeply with Jesus. 
You got to get around people who are doing that. You say, so Mike, I need an accountability partner. I mean, maybe, but more than that, you need healthy relationships with people who are headed in the same direction in their lives and their relationship with God that you are. These are ways that God breaks the curses, not just in prayer. We pray, God, help me. God, do this. And he moves and he acts and he breaks things that we can't break. But then he uses our relationships to shape who we are, to shape what's passed down. So number one, relationships are spiritual. Number two, relationships have lasting impact. Number three, relationship choices are critical. You say, so Mike, how can I make sure that I am building healthy relationships? Well, number one, you have to ask the question, am I nurturing the most important relationships? The relationships that you look at and you say, that's the kind of person I want to be. That's how the the follower of Jesus that I want to be. That's what I want to see passed down through my children. That's what I want reproduced in my life. You got to nurture those relationships. Number one is your relationship with Jesus. That's first and foremost. Secondly, your spouse. And then three, whoever you want to be like, right? Like about every six or seven months, Katie and I have a real good fight. Anybody else? Yeah. And it comes down to, hey, we need to nurture this relationship a little bit more. That's literally all the fight is. I miss you. I love you. Oh, okay. Well, let's not fight. Let's just go on a date. Right? You got to nurture those relationships. Secondly, am I severing the harmful ones? Am I severing the harmful ones? If what becomes intimate gets multiplied or reproduced, then that will absolutely be true in bad relationships as well, in unhealthy relationships as well. The Bible has a lot to say about this. Let me, I can give you a ton of verses. I'm gonna give you three. First Corinthians 15, 33, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Proverbs 13, 20, the one who walks with the wise will become what? Wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. One of those sounds better than the other. Proverbs 12, 26, a righteous man is careful in dealings with his neighbor, but the ways of the wicked leads them astray. Just as important as nurturing good relationships, if you want to have good things reproduced in your relationship with God in your life, are severing the bad ones. There are people in your life you just got to cut out. Like there are people in your life that you can look at right now and say what's being multiplied in this relationship is not healthy. What's being reproduced in this relationship is not good. It does not help me be who God is calling me to be. And I definitely do not want this passed down in my lineage. I definitely do not want this reproduced in my next generation. Then you got to cut them out. Anybody remember Full House? Cut it out. That was a throwback, right? You got to cut them out. As your pastor, I'm giving you permission. Cut them out. Say, go to them. Say, my, my, my pastor says I got to let you go. Got to let you go. You say, but Mike, what if I'm, I'm trying to help them see Jesus? I want, I, want to, I want to show them who Jesus is. Okay, that's, that, that may be good and that might be right and that may be true, but we have to understand the difference between us influencing someone else and someone else influencing me, right? And you can be, there's wisdom in that. You can find the wisdom in that. I trust you to know the difference, but sometimes you gotta step back and re-examine how is this working? Who's influencing here? Who? Third and finally, am I initiating meaningful ones? Am I initiating meaningful ones? Am I trying to build relationships that will reproduce in me who God is calling me to be? And I talked to you a lot about this in week one, but the challenge is to write down who God is calling you to be, what God is saying I want to work on in your life, what I want to change in your life, what I want to transform in your life. 
what I want multiplied in your life and passed down in your life. And then find people with those qualities, find people who live that kind of life and do what? Force them to be your friend. Hunt them down, say, I'm showing up at your door, just short of stalking, right? Make them be your friend. Or really make them mentor you. Make them say, hey, I want you to help disciple me a little bit here. This area, man, that you, you know, you seem to just have a deep relationship with Jesus. Can you, can you maybe give me a good book to read? Or, or could you maybe like, I don't know, could you be my accountability partner? Hey, could we meet up once a week and just talk? Those are the kind, you need people that you can look at and say, I want to be like that. I want to, I want to reproduce that in my life and share that in my lineage, share that with my children, pass that down, chase them down and force them to be your friends. Secondly, you got to get involved in a community group. In a couple of weeks, we're going to launch back community groups. And if you're not involved in one, you haven't been in one, you've got to get involved in one. You've got to be surrounded by not just one person, but a group of people who are like-minded, who love Jesus, who are going the same direction as you, that you can trust in, that you can, this is a very important one, confess to, confess your struggles to, who you can serve with, who you can grow your family with. And then thirdly, as we're trying to build these relationships, you got to stay plugged in on Sundays as we head together the same direction. you got to come in this space where you can get filled, encouraged, built up, and just hang out with people who love Jesus. I want you to understand today that relationships are spiritual. What, gets, what is intimate gets reproduced. What is intimate gets multiplied. I want you to ask yourself honestly, what's being multiplied in my relationships? In 2019, maybe you need some brand new relationships. Maybe you need some brand new friends. We can help you with that. We can find some for you. As the band's going to come out, I want you to ask yourself today, am I nurturing the important ones? Am I severing the harmful ones? Am I initiating the meaningful ones? And let me say this to you. Some of us have generational curses in our families that because of Jesus has been broken. Amen? Amen? Come on. Amen. I've had that in my own life. Like, that's amazing. But even better than that, even bigger than that, as Jesus breaks those curses, Jesus breaks those blessings or those curses, now we can be part of setting in motion blessing being passed down through our children because of how Jesus is shaping us and changing us and forming us. But you need to understand that your most intimate relationships will shape that. More than you understand, more than you know, your most intimate relationships will shape that. And so we have to take them seriously. We have to be intentional about them because those relationships will not just have an impact on you today, but maybe who your family is going to be for generations to come. And I know that seems like, man, Mike, you're really making a big deal out of this. It's because I really think it's a big deal. I think our relationships have that much of an impact on not just our life, but on our kids' life and our grandchildren's lives and, and on. Don't let your relationships today undo what Jesus has done in you. Don't let your relationships today mess up something that Jesus has healed in you. Let your relationships be a catalyst for passing down blessing to your family. What I want passed down in my family is blessing. What I want passed down in my family is a love for Jesus, a spiritual anointing on my family. I know it starts with me, It starts with my relationships. He calls us to multiply. What are we multiplying in our lives? River Church, stand up with me and let's worship God this morning. And let me just close with this. As we worship God 
for his goodness as we worship God for these truths. Let me close by saying this. Maybe, maybe you're here today and as I'm talking about this, you're thinking, Mike, I still am stuck in the curse. I still, there's, there's specific things that have been passed down to my family, depression or anxiety, or whatever it is, you know what it is, right? It's been passed down that, that I struggle with, that I feel like is a weight on me that I feel like has not been broken. I want to encourage you this morning and know that Jesus can break it. I want you to know that Jesus can change it. I want you to know that Jesus can heal it. So I would encourage you this morning to start out by just crying out to him as we worship, say, Jesus, I need you. God, Jesus, help me. And then I want to challenge you to pay attention to your relationships. Maybe you need to make some changes there. Maybe you need to do something different there. Fill out a communication card, put it in the basket, come and talk to me. We can help you, right? We can, we can help you. But start out this morning by crying out to him. If you need somebody to pray with, I'll be right down here. We have Elise right over here. There's other people you can pray with. We'd love to pray with you and see, man, what, what can God do in your life? I want to see Jesus break some curses. I want to see Jesus change some lives. He can do that in this space today. Amen.